Hello everyone, this is the Plot Blueprint Podcast, where we talk about the great art of making things up. And uh, today we're going to talk about unlikable, nonetheless sympathetic characters. You probably, if you've been writing for a while, have been told that you should have sympathetic characters. And uh, to make your characters sympathetic, there are all sorts of suggestions. But, um, and I actually, I wrote a five-day email class in how to make your character sympathetic. We, we worked on that recently. So if you're interested in that, just email me. Um, but let's talk about a, even a more difficult situation is when you have a character you don't mean to be likable, but you still want to be sympathetic. Um, there are all sorts of reasons, like you want Jack Nicholson as a star in this, or why you want to have a character who isn't particularly likable, who doesn't uh, work to get the sympathy of the audience. And uh, so, yet at the same time, you don't want people hating them. So uh, so we're going to talk today about different techniques and, and uh, things you ought to consider when you're working with an unlikable character that you want to still be sympathetic. This is obviously a lot more important if the character is the protagonist or a main character. I mean, if it's going to be some minor character, it's not a big deal about making them unsympathetic or if it's going to be the villain. But let's talk about when your protagonist or a main character has to be unlikable. So let's think of some examples. Right away, I think of Scarlett O'Hara. Mm -hmm. What are some examples you've got? Um... <clears throat> I mean, so I think of Roland always. Um, <clears throat> I think of Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. Um, Let's go back. <clears throat> Roland in the Dark Tower series. Yes. And the books, not the movie. Not the movie. Because <laughs> Idris Elba will make anybody probably sympathetic. Yeah. Sometimes the actors uh, do superhuman effort. Uh uh, but, uh, okay, so Malcolm Reynolds from the TV show Firefly, yes. which everybody ought to go get the DVDs for, watch yes. that on Netflix. Who else? Um, <clears throat> so... You said Jessica Jones. Yeah, Jessica Jones, Defenders, came out not that long ago, and she's the best is she Defender. Like, is she like she is on the, her own series? <clears throat> yes. Okay, because yeah. there, there's a Netflix series, Jessica yes. Jones. And she is also in that, right? Yes. And then you had a game. Uh, Joel from The Last of Us, which, again, is the the best story of any video game. I just saw an article that said that. I meant to send it to you. Uh, okay, well, let's talk about what makes a character unlikable first. And, you know, why are these unlikable characters? Um, and... Um, I think Scarlett O'Hara on Gone with the Wind is like A number one. Scarlett has to be unlikable in a way because of what she has to do in the course of the book. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have this plot, and in the course of the plot, you know, if, if she's going to try to steal her, um, her friend's uh, husband, and she's going to uh, break the hearts of three of her own husbands, she can't be a likable character. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not a thing a good character does so she's just at base really selfish however she's at the center of the uh, story so she also has to be sympathetic it's a thousand page book you don't want them dropping it <laughs> on page 60 
So that's one reason that, that uh, what make, makes a character unlikable, I think number one would be that, not even selfishness, but self-absorption. Mm -hmm. uh, but also just the things that the plot requires them to do. So what are your thoughts on that? What would make a character unlikable? Why would you have an unlikable main character? Um, well, so, I mean, for Roland, he's unlikable. I mean, because literally in the first book, he lets a child die. Yeah, you gotta, yeah um, you're not going to be a real stand-up <laughs> guy if you do that. But you're supposed to, likable characters are supposed to sacrifice yeah. themselves for children. Um, but, I mean, for what the plot is and what the character has to do, it relies on his you know, being obsessive. Mm -hmm. it, it's, I mean, right. that, that's really what, I mean... It's going to be seven books. He's yeah, got to really I mean, dedicated. Like Eddie says at one point, something to the effect of, is like, well, I might... Uh, I'm a junkie, and I, I can tell you're a junkie for your tower. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean... In The Last of Us, one of the things that's really interesting is that, so, um, I was talking to a friend, and it's like, uh, it got to the end, it was like, oh, that's when I realized I was the villain. I was like, well, no, I, I disagree. Joel? Yeah. Because, I mean, he, so this character cannot lose another daughter. It, he barely survived the first time it happened. Um, so he will do horrible things to prevent that from happening again. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things is, is if you're going to have stories with dramatic events, the generally the main characters are going to be more complicated mm -hmm. people. Uh, if there, if it's going to be a dramatic story with dramatic events and yet also be character-centered, um, the character has to have something to change. Mm -hmm. So Roland, as we know, in the beginning, in the first book, he faces this uh, choice of go for the tower, save the child, and he lets the child die. Yeah. That comes back, though, in the seventh book, right? So you need a baseline. Yes. This is a guy who, in the first book would let a kid die because of the obsession and that gives the baseline of the seventh book he's changed, right? Yeah, and so Jessica Jones, like, at least in the, the Netflix series, um, at first she's basically just trying to keep her head down, not draw attention to herself, um, <clears throat> but she can't help she can't help but be heroic in, but not in a traditionally heroic way. Um, <laughs> she. But why is she, why would you say what was the choice to make her unlikable? Was it sort of required by what it had? Or what well, happen? so the backstory of the character is that. Um, Kilgrave, the Purple Man, uh, played by Doctor Who. Yes, who David Tennant, my Doctor Who. Who can any time he tells you to do something, you have to do it. 
Um, but so he <clears throat> controlled her entire life for months. Um, and, <clears throat> um, so, I mean, she says that, you know, that he made her entire existence a, a rape, a constant, um, and so, I mean, that's why she's an alcoholic and she's sarcastic and, uh, pushes people away. Yeah. And pushes people away. Um, it's, but it's a, I mean, it's a result of the traumatic events that she's experienced. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of times people load characters down with difficult backstory thinking that is going to make them sympathetic. Yeah. And however if we're going to be honest about what the effect of trauma has on people it also might very well make them unlikable someone mm -hmm. who doesn't trust who doesn't trust her judgment who doesn't trust other people who uh is is longing for revenge this is not going to be a nice person yeah and so jessica is not going to be if you're going to give her that backstory which is important because this is the main plot uh how she deals with this then she's not going to be a likable person. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, um, that just is, you know, you make your choices, and if you choose to give them a really bad, difficult backstory, you get, you're going to have to figure out how that's going to affect their character. Yeah, I think that's, that's a mistake lots of people make when doing backstory, yeah. that they that they write the backstory, and then, but it doesn't affect the character you know in what's happening now it's supposed to affect the, the reader but yeah. not the character and uh which is really interesting you know that that uh, uh we're supposed to sympathize with this person because they went through so much trauma and yet nonetheless they're a really nice person it just yeah. doesn't it doesn't really compute mm -hmm. so so what about uh okay so that's coming at, so she's got to be bad, unlikable because of the backstory. And I think Scarlett has to be unlikable because of what the writer was planning that she was going to have to do. Yeah. And she couldn't have been a saint or a martyr in order to do that. What other uh, things, that uh, what choices an author might make that me makes it almost required that, uh, well, as he said, Roland, because he has to make a decision in the beginning that it kind of reverses in the end. Yes. So it has to be the wrong decision in the beginning. Uh, wrong, immoral, or amoral. Uh, what else? You said there were some others that you were thinking of. Um, well, I mean, so Malcolm, Reynolds, the and Firefly. Firefly right. The reason that he is unlikable is that he's a rebel. He rebels against everything. Um, he, yes, nothing's sacred. Yeah. He doesn't value much of anything. And of course, as it goes on, we learn he values his crew and he values mm -hmm. his ship, but he doesn't value much else. Yeah, well, he doesn't... He doesn't value... It, the opposite, in fact. He devalues... Um, authority and the comfortability of you know a, a society mm -hmm. control. He he prefers freedom and privacy. Um, 
And so, you know, this rebellious character is not going to ever act in a way that goes along with the norms of that a society says you this is how you should act yeah he has a surface charm but charm is not likability no and likability is actually probably easier to write than charm yeah and he he should he should make you feel a little bit uncomfortable right liking him if you do like him should make you feel uncomfortable not quite like liking Hannibal Lecter or some villain, but, but uh, um, you know, a character who's like that is Harrison Ford's um, uh, Han Solo mm-hmm. in uh, the first Star Wars movie. That, that Because they're very similar in the fact that they're both, you know, captains of these uh, rattletrap ships, but also that both of them make their money through smuggling mm-hmm. and other illegal things that make it impossible for them to have any kind of normal life, too. Um, I think, as a woman, I'd say they're constant rebuke to good men in mm-hmm. the sense of, look how much more fun they have than you good guys have. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's sort of dangerous for women uh, because it's kind of leading men astray, I guess. Well, I mean, but that's, that's why Batman's more popular than Superman. Yes. Because Superman is just 100% of that likability. This is what this is what a hero is supposed to be. And oddly enough, that's paradoxical because it can rebound that we don't like him that yeah. much. You know, you can admire him or respect him or think he's great and just not really actually like him that much. Um, so, so let's see, are there any others? Uh, who else was I thinking of? Uh, well, Scarlett Hare is really kind of the best. I tend to think that... Uh, Women are tough on women characters. They're more mm-hmm. likely to uh, give an unlikable male character more chapters uh, or, or more minutes to uh, end up making us sympathize with them. Uh, women tend to be hard on uh, unlikable women, but Scarlett O'Hara works. I mean, it's worked for generations now, um, coming on a century. And let's think about why. Okay, so here's someone who's. So let's say we're writing a character who, because of who they are or what we're expecting them to do or what their backstory is, um, has to start out the story unlikable. Now, how do we keep the reader or the viewer from quitting, you know, 30 minutes in? And that's where the making them sympathetic comes in. And how do you make an unlikable character sympathetic? Well, so when you said that, for some reason, the very first character I thought of was Cloud from Final Fantasy VII. Okay. So in the beginning, he's he's quiet, and he's when he does talk, he's usually rude. Um, uh, generally very unlikable, um, but you are tempted to stick around because um i mean one because you're playing as him in the game but also because there's there's a mystery 
you don't um, you don't understand you don't know where he's coming from or what he's trying to do and so pretty quickly he's um, he interacts with Tifa who's his childhood um, friend kind of childhood sweetheart and um, and so and she's you know much gentler and kinder and so you know there's hints at that like yeah so he's he's unlikable uh, in a lot of ways but you know if if she can call herself his friend then there's there's got to be something going on but also the mystery like you want to figure out why he is the way he is and why he um, is doing what he's doing and Jessica Jones also has a couple really likable friends where you yes. think okay they must see something in her yeah that you know if, if if they like her and she's nice to them like she's got some heroin junkie friend and she's nice to him yeah. and so so even early on we think we, we give them the benefit of the doubt I guess I think also one thing you brought up is playing as this character whether mm -hmm. you're reading the book or this is the main character in a movie or you're actually playing it them as in a game there is a certain amount of power conveyed just by this person being the protagonist of this story. Yes. And if we're going to continue reading this story or watching or playing this game, we're going to have to stick with this character. So that's part, you know, that's something, again, I think that's more difficult for women characters than male. I think you need more than this is the main character hang in there with them. Uh, but that is no doubt. Um, uh, 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 ease, uh, uh, it's something to keep in mind. The main character or the reader or the watcher is probably going to uh, give it the benefit of the doubt. Um, what else? Um, I was thinking that um, there can be some kind of compensating thing. You know, Jessica Jones is good to someone that no one else would be yeah. good to as this heroin junkie. I think humor really helps too. Uh, you know, the wisecracking, the Mal or the uh, Han Solo, they're funny. Yeah. And and we give, we understand that comedic characters are often not particularly likable, but they're funny. Yeah, I mean, Mal, Han Solo, Jessica Jones, like, one of the things that's so, like, in Defenders, like, there was a part of me that any time any character that wasn't Jessica Jones responded to anything not super sarcastically to that I felt a little disappointed mm -hmm. because what <clears throat> I mean so like when she sees Daredevil in his costume for the first time and she's just like really and like it's so <clears throat> I mean you know she's she's an, an alcoholic she's rude um she is a horrible friend. Um, but she's funny. But she's funny. Yeah, and she... and every single... And so every single time that she's given the opportunity to do something heroic, her uh, in initial 
instinct is to not do it. But then she can't help it because she has to help people. Let's come back to that because I think that reluctant hero thing is very important with these anti-heroes. Yeah. Unlikable <clears throat> protagonists. And um, well, I think we should distinguish between the different... The, 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 what we call a protagonist often is called the hero or the heroine of a story. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they're heroic characters. Yeah. Which is why I want to use protagonist to distinguish that Jessica Jones is occasionally actually heroic. Han yes. Solo is occasionally actually heroic. Uh, well, or or Sarah Connor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the Terminator series, yeah. uh, specifically the good ones. Right. That the, the ter- Sarah Connor in in uh, the television show. Yeah. Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, is an anti-heroine. I was thinking, are there anti-heroines? We have lots of anti-heroes who, who are people who are um, generally have heroic traits, but in the beginning aren't using them or who have to be dragged into heroism. Um, Sarah Connor, Gemma in The Sons of Anarchy. Um, and I always think what's interesting about the two of them is they both are mothers of sons, and I'm the mother of sons. And uh, I, I think that's kind of interesting because... To be a mother in a dangerous situation, the way that both of them, you cannot be too good. Yeah. You know, you're going to get kid, killed and your kids yeah. going to get killed. I mean, so we, we've talked about that specifically before, but I mean, so Jessica Jones is an anti-heroine mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and they didn't need to uh, write her as, as a mom and that's the reason that... Mm-hmm. Um, she does the things that she does, but I mean, like traditional literature. I mean, Scarlett O'Hara, as we've said, I guess. But yeah, it's a other it's than pretty that, unusual, and and you can see mothers doing it. I mean, even go back to the ancient times, Medea. But she was a villain. Yeah. She wasn't. She was an understandable villain, but she was not the the an anti-heroine i think you have to put the anti-heroine in the protagonist position yeah i mean otherwise they just don't have importance enough uh but when you have scarlett o'hara this is really where we see someone who is not nice someone who is not likable but has enormous heroic potential from the very beginning it's not just that she's beautiful it's that she's um that she's extremely self-confident, that she is really good at things. Mm-hmm. All the way through, she's an incredibly confident character. During a time of war, she's the only person, all the nice people in the book just fall apart. Yeah. And she's the one who saves her farm, and she saves her friends, and she saves her family. They don't like her. She doesn't like them, but you know she saves them because yeah, she's so strong. Yeah, and with, with I mean, male characters, I mean... Genji, Gilgamesh, Odysseus, so like mm-hmm. the three, like three of the earliest protagonists ever created. They're all three anti-heroes, yeah. and so it. I mean, maybe, hopefully, Jessica Jones is, and that you know that you that audiences are ready for this. Now, because I, I have not spoken to anyone who didn't like Jessica Jones and doesn't like um, this character. Yeah, I think that, you know, so, so much of that is that idea that um, in the end, this person's going to have both the, pow- the power that not having to be too good gives them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, especially with Gem and Sons of Anarchy and Sarah Connor... 
they can't be too good yeah. and protect their sons. They can't be too good and beat these villains. And uh, Scarlet cannot be too good because Melanie, her foil, is too good. Yeah. Melanie, the other character, gone to the uh, when the other w important woman character is self-sacrificing. She's she's um, giving. She's generous. She's kind. And in the in the middle, it's not in the end, but in the middle, when they're both attacked or she's attacked by a soldier who's going to rape her. Scarlet kills him. Yeah. Scarlet has the strength and the wickedness, the evilness, really, in, in order to look at a guy and shoot him. And um, so uh, uh, so that's part of it is w w I think we need to see that the badness, whatever that is, has a, a, a good role to play in the plot. It allows yeah. them to do something that a good character wouldn't do. Bring a Han Solo, for example... You know, he does, can do things that Luke, who's a good guy, can't do. I, I think also you need to... The the antagonist needs to be worse. Yeah. Um, and, so that, and so that should push this non-traditionally heroic character to be heroic. So, I mean, Jessica Jones, Kilgrave... Is he is is like as bad as you is is as evil as you can imagine. Um, in Final Fantasy VII, uh, the antagonist Sephiroth basically when he when he figures out that he was unnaturally created and the horrors that his mom uh, that the his biological mom had to go through he becomes so angry that he basically he's going to destroy the world out of anger so when you compare that to cloud who's just kind of aloof and rude mm -hmm. you know he but so <clears throat> that the evil of the antagonist pushes him to because before that he at one point he uh, one of the characters, uh, Barrett Wallace, is saying, you know, it's going on about how we need to save the planet, and he's like, okay, as long as you're paying me. Mm -hmm. And that's a very <coughs> Han Solo type yes. thing to say. That's, uh, I think that's a really good point, is that there needs to be someone who's worse. And, you mm -hmm. know, with Star Wars, Lando Calrissian, who's also charming, who's also... Um, bad, wicked in a funny yeah, way. Yeah, those, those two broke a lot of hearts. Yes, <laughs> and the two of them. That's the uh, the two of. But Han Solo is heroic in the end, and mm -hmm. Lando is not. Is that you need to show someone else taking a different choice, making a different choice, maybe, so that we see that this person chose at some point during the book, not before, but during the book, yeah, to be better than they needed to be. Um, so, so let's just go back. So the, the unlikableness probably should be shown to come from what we expect them to do in the book, to come from traumatic backstory, to, or to come from, what was the other thing? Um, uh, or so what they... Their obsession or their, yeah, their goal. It's, yeah, the unlikableness comes from what they need or, uh, inside of them to accomplish right. 
and and <coughs> so like Roland with the obsession with the tower. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at the early part of the book. How do you make them? Um, where's the trick? Where where is it that they seem to become where they catch on for the reader? I think it was Gone with the Wind. There's a part. Oh, that's probably. In chapter two, for a thousand-page book, a lot happens in the beginning. Uh, in the beginning, you know, she's getting dressed and all this, and she's sixteen, and she's in love with Ashley, and she's gonna go. So she goes to the this party, and she it throws herself at Ashley and tells him, "I love you, I love you," and um, you know, and he says, "I'm gonna marry Melanie," and it's a humiliating, awful kind of experience. And in the meantime. The, the South is, the Confederacy is declaring war against the uh, Union and seceding from the Union at the very same time. This is one <laughs> hell of a party. But so I think what's interesting about that scene, which is cringeworthy, it's embarrassing, it's humiliating even, and it also shows a rottenness. She knows that her friend Melanie's in love with him, and she knows that. This is not probably not going to work, but she throws herself at him anyway, and she puts him this childhood friend of hers in this awkward situation. Okay, so up until that time, she's just unlikable, unlikable, unlikable. But then a weird thing happens: is Ashley leaves, and she gets mad. She picks up a figurine and throws it at the mantle, and then out of the depth of this couch, Rhett Butler, who'd been napping there, sits up. And it's like, now you're throwing things at me. And she realizes that this awful man has witnessed her hu great humiliation. And I think that's the weird moment yeah. when we start. We actually start sympathizing with her. We don't start liking her. But especially with women, I almost think being humiliated or having some kind of super discomfort like that is going to make a character more sympathetic with women readers and women viewers, weirdly enough. Because I think that's so easy to identify with. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all been caught in these humiliating experiences. Uh, we've all been observed by, you know, doing something stupid by the one person we really don't want us to uh, want to see us do something stupid. So, um, so that's one thing. Is if the character has to be unlikable in the beginning, how do we make them at least sympathetic if not likable? When would you say with Jessica Jones or Roland or something? So the moment. I'd say with Han Solo and Mal, they're both so charming yeah. from the beginning. They're designed that way uh, that you, you <clears> hang in there even if you don't actually trust them or particularly like them. You, you find them funny. What about someone like Roland who's this driven, grim guy, not at all funny? With with Roland, really, I think it's a combination of two things. One, it's, it's the mystery mm. that... I mean, in The Gunslinger, you finish The Gunslinger and you still know almost nothing about this character right. it's like i mean it's like the you know it's like the deep ocean like we know it's there but we don't actually have any understanding of what's going on um and <clears throat> um with roland you there it, it the end of the gunslinger it's it's from beginning to end, there's so much mystery that, like, you only get little bits of, which is why in the, for the movie, in the trailer, when, like, the first trailer, he just says, for 
thousands of years the gunslingers have been knights. It's like, well, no, this is something that you're supposed to piece together bit by bit. And, like, you just completely missed the point. Um, but so also uh, with Roland in Toll, we... I mean, so the, <clears throat> the gunslinger really only has two action scenes uh, when he has to kill an entire town of Toll because the man in black has... Um, compelled them to kill him and then um, uh, when he and Jake fight off the slow mutants uh, near the end um, but so in those uh, we see that he's v a hyper capable mm. um, and so I think at least for me I always uh, like I just I had so much respect for that, that so even though it's like okay, well this is not, you know, this is not someone that you would tell your kids to um, to act like, um, but that, but I, but that I couldn't help but respect his ability. Yeah, that I think is really important, <clears throat> and I would say it's more important with male characters in a way, because men have to respect each other. And, mm -hmm. and I was thinking, there's another character, Logan Eccles in the Veronica Mars television series. Um, in the first episode or, or first season, uh, he's a real douchebag. I mean, he's yeah. awful. He's rich. He's just like the type of person that someone like me just despises. He's rich. He's arrogant. He thinks that, you know, he's great because he was born great. and he He's actually prejudiced against poor people and all this but there's one point and he's awful because here Veronica's poor and she's saved all her money and bought this car and at some point he gets mad at her he starts hitting the car with a sledgehammer and breaking out the windows and stuff and she's thinking she saved for so long yeah. to get that car she's so proud of that car and you think how could this guy be worse but her, then, her white Chrysler LeBaron yes and the heck and then He's surrounded then by a motorcycle gang who are friends of hers, and they start beating him up, and they're really beating him up, and he deserves it. And you yeah. think, oh, go for it. And then then uh, the, the motorcycle, this is written so well, the leader of the motorcycle gang says, apologize to her, and he refuses. And he's getting the hell beat out of him, and he refuses to apologize. And you think, you know, that's not a heroic trait in a man. Men need to learn to apologize, I think. But... Nonetheless, it comes across as, my God, has he got grit. Has, mm -hmm. You know, here's this rich guy that we thought was just a rich um, wimp. And in fact, he's standing up. He's, rather than apologize, he's going to let himself get beat to death. Yeah. And right then is the moment I said, she's going to fall in love with him. And I knew it because he had this heroic character, a heroic trait. Only one. There wasn't anything mm -hmm. else, but there was that one heroic trait. And I think that that's with Roland, too. It's just sort of like there is something that commands respect. And nonetheless, they could still make a choice a little later and turn into the villain. The, yeah. the villain does yes. things that commands respect. Yeah, well, so in in The Wasteland... Um, Which is the second, third, third book third of the book Dark Tower when, series. The Roland series. When Blaine is... Blaine the Train. Playing the pain. Go with it. Just go um, with it. <laughs> yeah, it's Stephen King. It, yeah. It's fine. It's either a bear or a king. <laughs> um, but, 
uh, I don't even remember, but he, he tries to command Roland, and Roland basically yells at him, kill if you will, but command me not. And even, like, even Eddie is frightened mm-hmm. um, at, at the time. Uh, Ed, Eddie, who normally you would think would be too stubborn to let anyone, mm-hmm. you know, make him feel fear. Um, but uh, Roland just, you know, who he is, what he is, just demands respect. And, I mean, so even so even Blaine, you know, this robotic evil train um really you just have to go with this uh, but it works but cannot can't deny that respect and that's really interesting and i do think it's really it's important to have that but it's also important then that after that we see that whatever that trade is being used reluctantly or not mm-hmm. for some kind of thing that the reader would consider good yeah but we need to see that traits within them and then they can make the choice uh, to be better or something like that. But I I think you're right that there's something that commands respect. What is that? And when do you show it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd say Veronica Mars was what, four, three seasons in a movie. It was halfway through the first season. So that would be about what? 20% of the way. And this was the third book of a seven book series so still we're not even at midpoint but there has to be something um where we see perhaps the character showing something that commands respect a heroic trait yeah. however even if it's not used in a, in a for the good at that point we see the potential yeah and so in the last of us joel like one of the things they did that's very interesting um narrative wise is that so they did a prologue which is where it establishes the backstory yes and um but so like jessica jones like you don't know what the traumatic events that she's gone through are until really about halfway through but in the last of us they just show you right away and in fact you play through it as his daughter and then him um and so like the evil things that he does eventually are in defense of ellie this 14 year old um, yes um and so like i mean like brutally brutally kills people but in defense of the you know this teenage girl um yeah and you know i think that that's that's really important that we understand that they have something that makes them not sociopathic not evil yeah and with scarlet it's that way too scarlet's probably as close to a sociopath as you'd see in popular fiction and i mean she's not dangerous or anything like that but she she has very little in the way of feelings, but she's extremely loyal to her family. Mm-hmm. And even if she, the people she doesn't like, make, like Aunt Pity Pat, uh, she takes care of. And she takes care of in the way 
that she can and no one else can, which is she's tougher and she's stronger and she's willing to cheat. And in the same way that Joel is willing to do things that good people weren't good, but he does it, whether whatever it is in the beginning, doing it for the reason that people would, the readers or viewers would like at some point after, you know, chapter seven or whatever, uh, we can see they have the strength. We see that in some way. And, but one of the things that we see the flaw before we see the yeah. strength. Yeah. There's, um, is it in, in The Last of Us, there's um, a scene where uh, Joel essentially gets ambushed by uh, an enemy who is, I mean, really drowning him in a large puddle. Um, and so Ellie shoots him to save, at this point, her somewhat reluctant adoptive father. Um, and it's the first time she's ever killed anyone. And um, so the, you know, the traditional hero would comfort her in this situation but Joel isn't that so instead he scolds her mm -hmm. um you didn't do uh, it right yeah well so I mean he's said so she's been asking for a gun this entire time and he's basically said no you're going to you know accidentally shoot yourself or shoot me and so like he reprimands her for essentially saving his life but then in the very next Seen, uh, he has again gotten short with her or whatever, and he feels bad. And then he says to her that, you know, back there it really was him or me, and mm -hmm. um, so you you did the right thing, you did good, um, but again, but so that's not his initial response right. the initial response is to do the wrong thing yeah i think that it's it's important <clears throat> to have heroism be reluctant mm -hmm. in these kind of characters and it was at churchill who said you know some men are born great some men have uh become great and some men some men achieve greatness and some men have greatness thrust upon them i think that generally the unlikable protagonists should have greatness thrust upon them, but then still make a choice. And I think that that's, um, I think of like Mr. Potter and It's a mm -hmm. Wonderful Life, who um, uh, is, is the villain, but there's a point where he has the choice and his initial uh, response to finding this money is to return it. And he deliberately chooses evil not mm -hmm. to return it. Well, you're saying Joel deliberately chooses to do the right thing but yes. he has to choose and he's got to be deliberate about it it's not accidental um and i think that that's especially later in the book not maybe in the beginning but later in the book we ought to definitely show the character having to choose yes to be good not automatically they're not born to goodness they're, they don't achieve goodness they, they they but they have to choose goodness and i think that that's kind of really important with all the these is that we need to see them choosing because um, if they choose wrong they become villains if they choose right they're somewhere maybe in the third or halfway through the story 
where they have to make a choice and it's got to be either for good or evil and we don't we could see them doing either yeah and i mean maybe that's maybe that's where the interest um comes from because there's you know there's something at stake right um, and they and until they have something they value more than yeah whatever they they will they will not it will not even be a choice for them i think also you have to think about what is it that being less than perfect gives them. And with Joel, it gives him, it seems to me, the understanding of what she's probably feeling and what she needs to hear. Where, you know, if he were super, super, super good, he might not understand what someone who just yeah. did her first kill needs to hear. Um, so, uh, what are some other things? I, I think that that's, it's just important to show the choice being made, and the choice is not particularly easy. Mm-hmm. But also it draws upon whatever their strength is, and also we get some idea of what they value more at this point than they might have at the beginning. Uh, so, I, is there anything else you're thinking of? Sort of the, I would say after the first half of the book, probably the second half of the book. Although they might still be reluctant, and they might still, you know, actually need to think about how to be good. They probably become more traditionally heroic. Yeah, well, I I think the plot should push them to that they have to. Otherwise, they would just stop acting. You know, there's um, when I think of Casablanca, which has an antihero actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick is not particularly likable at the beginning. At even at the end, he's offered the choice to betray the cause, betray the resistance to just take the letters of transit and run off to Ilsa and not join the alliance, not and he's given the choice and he chooses the right way, but we're never sure. We're not sure what he's Mm going to choose because we know how close he is to being Mm non-heroic. And uh, and I think with Scarlet, when I think of Scarlet Hair, in the very end, She's given the choice. Ashley says, okay, I love you. I'm free. Let's get married. And she says no. And um, so even the same thing happens, that she's given the choice. And this time she chooses rightly. However, we are not sure that mm-hmm. she's going to do that. And that's really into that. I think wonder if that's why the whole mystery thing, the keeping the suspense is part of it. We don't know what they're going to say in the end. Yeah. When they're presented with this last great moral challenge. Well, and I mean, at least to me, that's just so much more interesting um, than just like the super good altruistic. Yeah, good forever. Um, character. It's. Um, I mean, why Gilgamesh is so compelling is that. You know, he, he, you know, like, he has all these heroic traits, but the, I mean, the entire, his entire goal is a selfish one. He's scared of dying, so he wants to become a god. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, so that, you know, a, a character with these heroic traits acting human is more interesting than, um, I mean, the only two 
super lawful good characters that I can think of right now are Captain America and Superman. Two characters that I do actually like when they're written well, um, but, I mean, but Tony Stark and Batman are more interesting. Right. And I think that's in, it's also interesting when you see them put together. Melanie in the Gone, in Gone with the Wind could not have carried a book by herself. Yeah. Um, because we would always know she was never going to surprise us. Mm -hmm. was never, and she didn't have to change. She started out nearly perfect. Um, and I think that that's it, is that in a way the unlikable and yet potentially sympathetic character is much more like us. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not, we know we're not perfect. We, we really know we're not perfect. And that, you know, if, if we're going to achieve heroism, it's going to be because it's thrust on us and we have to yeah. choose it. It's not going to be because we were born that way or, or you know, um, and so maybe that's it, that the unlikable, they're unlikable partly because we see our own yeah. unlikability in there. That makes me think of on Community, Britta, which so this is a, a, a comedy, not um, a drama, but so at first when her, the character was first created, um, particularly women didn't like her. Mm -hmm. um, and... It was because her character was just, well, I'm the cool one. I lived in New York. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really all her character was. But so then, as the character developed and we get to see the human side of her, and since it's a comedy, the awkward side of her, um, she became... I mean, so even, even then, like... It, her character's not traditionally likable. Right. And, and, you know, I wonder if, in a way, kind of some of the most interesting characters are the ones who never become truly likable. Yeah. But they're, they're sympathetic. Yes. I mean, and with... I mean, she becomes very, very sympathetic mm -hmm. um, as the series goes on. Um, but that's where the tension is. Yeah. That, you know, just as that... Because you can't entirely trust that they're always going to do the right thing. When they do do the right thing, in the end, reluctantly, then we truly know they have yeah, chosen well, this. With, with her, most of the time, when she's put in a situation where there are two options, do the right thing or the wrong thing, she almost always does the wrong thing. Um, but you're always very sympathetic to... Um, why she makes that choice. So there's an episode where um, she's caught cheating um, on a Spanish test. Um, and so as the episode goes on, you realize that it's because she's afraid to succeed because she's never she, she's never found success in herself. And so that's unknown to her, and so it's scary. Yeah, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think that's with these anti-heroic characters, the unlikable characters. That it's that maybe they do the wrong thing for the right reason, mm -hmm. or do the right thing for the wrong reason, but they never do the right thing for the right reason. Yeah. Well, Han until Sola. the very end. Hansel, why is he here? Because because the princess is worth more than he can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he's going to make that pay. So. Yes. So, um, 
So anyway, well, that's some of the things to think about is that, you know, that the unlikable character probably needs to start becoming sympathetic in some way. Maybe uh, a sixth or a fifth or a quarter of the way through the story. Um, it has to have some kind of heroic trait that we see rather early and respect if we don't necessarily admire it. And But it should also, the, their heroic flaw should, the, those two things should, um, I mean, like the Odyssey, what's so brilliant about that is that Odysseus's cleverness is his downfall strength, but that cleverness also in him becomes arrogance very, very quickly. Right. And so it's, it's his strength and it's his flaw and his downfall at the same time. Yeah, so we have to see the strength. We also have to realize that contributes to the, the difficulty, the complexity mm-hmm. of the character. Um, you said that mystery, that if you have a plot yeah. kind of mystery going on, uh, the reader will kind of hang on to see that. I think it's really important the character, the unlikable character be interesting. Yes. Um, in some way. Um, and uh, so that even if we don't like them, we hang in there. Um, also, then towards the end, we need to p- perhaps see them making the right choice, but um, have that in doubt whether they mm-hmm. so actually have that be an option, and we could see this person making the other choice. Um, and to see that Casablanca does that very well, uh, where it really, as they said, even Ingrid Bergman, who's, who was playing Ilsa, did not yeah. know until the end what. Uh, what what the uh, Rick was going to choose? Well, or or Jamie Lannister. Um, yeah. It's not until he meets and somewhat, at least, falls in like with uh, Brienne. Uh, with Brienne, that he starts acting at all heroically. Right, and of course that was the most interesting mm. relationship because yeah. he, they're like really almost emotionally abusive to each other. Uh, she has no respect for him, and he he is uh, he keeps talking about how unattractive. Well, she but, is. All, but he has no respect for anyone, right? And uh, so that was so that's something to keep in mind. I think also is that other characters can be very useful um, in perhaps um, taking over the reader's dislike of this person. Yeah, well, and and show. I mean, one really important way to make any character sympathetic is that you have to show them in pain. You have to mm-hmm. show them. So with Jamie Lancer, he gets his hand cut off. Right. right. His his ability to fight with a sword is his identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, so again, Britta, like, at first people didn't like the character, and so then... Like they started, the writers started making fun of her constantly, mm-hmm. and so the audience couldn't help but become sympathetic. That's really interesting. Yeah, that, that, <coughs> that if another character or the the author or something like that starts abusing them too yeah. much, the reader might become sympathetic simply because, well, geez, you know, it's not that bad. Yeah. Well, he actually is that bad. It's <sighs> Jamie Lannister. Okay. Well, those are good things. We should uh, write that up and and put in some um, ideas how to do that. I would definitely suggest, you know, get, get these examples uh, we're talking about. This is a difficult thing to pull off. See how good writers have pulled this off in the past. And, and especially look at the structure of the mm-hmm. events and how the person changes in response to the events and see how that works. 
Um, I think it has to be handled somewhat delicately. Um, and, um, and I think in the end, uh, one thing is, is that you have to know why this person is, um, is going to eventually be sympathetic and sympathize with them from the beginning. Um, but also allow them to be as bad as they're going to be in the beginning. So any other thoughts? Nope. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, uh have to think about, um, how to keep a, a, a heroic, not anti-heroic, but a heroic character from being too good and treacly and, and um, uh, become immediately un, uh, unsympathetic because he's too, too good. So we'll talk about that next time. Okay.